<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story of a boy named Hartford? Nope. Okay. So this is a guy I went to high school with. Uh, both me and Chris went to high school with him. Okay. And we had this teacher, Mr. Mattingly, who looked like Santa Claus. Right. Okay. He was our, I, I, it might be a calculus teacher our senior year of high school, if I remember, remember correctly. Well, Hartford would throw paper balls into the middle of the room. Okay. And Mr. Magdalene would go pick them up. And every time he bent over to pick them up, Hartford would go, <laughs> <laughs> right. This went on. For, I like this guy. Yeah, this went on for a whole school year. Yeah. Finally, near the end of our senior year, uh, Harford does that. Mr. Mangley picks up a piece of paper. Harford goes, Mr. Mangley, his face beat red, shoots up and screams, stop making elephant noises. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Uh, So are you ready to start? Oh, shit. Um... (laughs) Elephant noises. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm Whore Ryan. And I'm Spooky Bruce. This is the show where... Spooky Bruce. You were so intense. I'm Spooky Bruce. I'm Spooky Bruce. All right, let's talk about that one. And I'm Whore Ryan. I'm Spooky Bruce. We got this. All right. We need a good laugh. I tried to keep it. I tried to keep it going. I just, <laughs> God damn. All right. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I tried. I tried to reel it in. Why is this the most difficult thing we've ever done in the podcast? It's just start the sun, bitch. Shake it off. Okay. Oh, okay. This is the show where we examine the HBO horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the comics that inspired it. This week, we're taking a look at episode one of season two, Dead Right, based on a story from Shock Suspense Stories number six. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Got those giggles out? We got a whole bunch of giggles out, baby. (laughs) Season two. Season two. We're here. We're here. Yeah. We did it. It only took us... Three months to get here. Right. Right. I'm excited. This yeah. is where this is where it gets real good. Yeah. I think this is I mean, where it starts to ramp up. This is where we finally get a story and the show based on a story from the Tales from the Crypt comic. Not this episode. Right. I think the next episode might be the first Ooh, one. Ooh, nice. This yeah. is also where we get the more animated Crypt Keeper. Yes. Because the budget got pushed up. Yes. I don't think he was in this episode, but we'll get, we'll talk about that. Oh, it gets good. Yeah. yeah. It gets real good. So how you been? I'm all right. How are you? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, Got a funny story. Yeah. Tell me a funny story. So for those fans out there of horror movies, uh, one of the big releases recently was Halloween Kills. Yes. And I so- 
Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Absolutely. Me too. Um, got an interesting story with a background character. Okay. So I, I know where this is going. Yep. But I just want to warn everyone that there is going to be a kind of minor spoiler ahead. So if I'll, you don't want a spoiler, turn down the volume for about a minute and right, <laughs> come right. back. So I will not spoil much except for the fact that there is a scene where a group of members of Haddonfield... Mm-hmm gang up on Michael. The internet has latched onto a particular actress in the background. She's an older lady, which looks like really curly hair, a jean jacket, and she's holding an iron. Yes. Like, like what you would iron your clothes with. Yes. And what's funny is the time that we watched it, we missed it. Yes. And I don't know how, maybe it's just because I was surfing the internet and I found a meme mm-hmm. where, the internet has fallen in love with this woman. and <laughs> The her Iron name, Maiden. The Iron Maiden of Haddonfield yes. is her name. <laughs> the memes are glorious, and it's amazing. Uh, one of my favorites is there's a picture of Michael Myers with an iron print on his face. <laughs> and it's and that's the poster for the next movie, which is Halloween Ends. <laughs> so it basically says that she kills him. I saw a lot of people online complaining about that. Like, oh, what's she going to do with an iron? She can't plug it in. She's going to iron his clothing. She's going to iron his mask. Like, no. I don't know about you, but if I got hit upside the dome with an iron, it'd ruin my day. I'd be out. (laughs) Right. Right. And you're you're close. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it was plugged in. But yeah, I agree. I mean, that that is a weapon in the right woman's hands. I say woman because it is a woman in the movie. But so... The internet slashed onto her, and I found a delightful Facebook group called, I think it's called That One Lady Who Brought an Iron to Fight Michael Myers. <laughs> yes. Like, that's the name of the group. Yeah. And the actress is in the group. Yeah, that's awesome. So they actually had a um, Halloween costume contest where um, we decided to enter where, for a Halloween party, I was Michael Myers, mm-hmm. and Natalie, lovely girlfriend, was the Iron Maiden. Yeah. She had a jean jacket and jeans and had the iron, so we got a cool photo shoot out mm-hmm. of it. Well, we entered, and everybody who participated gets a signed photo from the actress. Oh, that's awesome. As the Iron Maiden. That's awesome. And what's crazy is she's in my DMs. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds weird, but basically she posted, and she's like, hey, anybody who um, sends in a picture... Mm-hmm. Uh, playing my character yeah. for Halloween, we'll get a signed photo. I just need your address. So that's awesome. Messenger, send me address. She said, "Thanks so much for the support, and can't wait to get that." <laughs> she better come back in part three. That uh, pe- technically, it's good uh, that you mentioned that because technically, there is a petition right now uh-huh. to force her as a cast member of the next one. Nice, because so, I don't think now again spoilers coming up. So yeah. Turn down the volume for a, f- a few seconds. I don't think we actually see her die. Mm-mm. No. So there's a possibility. I think she should come back with a vengeance, baby. Yes. I think she's only in like two frames. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny that this, <laughs> the internet has latched onto this one lady. Yeah. But I I think, I don't think we've reviewed Halloween kills on the podcast. Ooh. Uh, I don't think there's a way to review it without spoiling it. Right. Um, I think, one of my favorite reviews I saw, which was, I believe, a negative review. It was just one line. And I think we both commented on this. It was, 
Halloween Kills is just an hour and 45 minutes of murder. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a slasher movie. Imagine <laughs> well, that. Well, it's funny. I think I commented. I said, well, it's not called Halloween Hugs. <laughs> right. So there's that. I know it's been controversial, but I will say it is exactly what I wanted from a sequel like this. It's the it's the Empire Strikes Back of slasher films. Absolutely. I loved it. And I know that there was some weird stuff. And I will I will say this and get your opinion on it because we've seen it with Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Malignant and Candyman. Mm-hmm. Why is there so much anger in the horror community? I think it's because people can't be middling about something. They either take something as the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. Something can't just exist as, all right, that was all right. Right. Or, or like in terms of Candyman, because it was no longer for a particular audience that the first one was for, mm-hmm. they refocused its audience. Uh, because it was no longer for a certain audience, they got upset about that. And therefore, it's the worst movie they've ever seen. Right. Nothing can ever just be good enough. Yeah. Right. Or even just bad enough. Like, yeah. It can't just be, all right, that wasn't for me. Yeah, or that wasn't too good. Everything has to be, it was the worst movie ever. We got some things to show you. Yeah. You haven't watched many movies. You haven't watched Sledgehammer. Yes. You haven't watched Sledgehammer. You haven't watched Things. I love uh, Things. I know hey, you love that, Things. Come that's, on. That's fine. Um, Top 10 but all it, time. You know, well, I, you know my theory about Things, how Things cannot possibly be the worst movie ever. Right, right. Because Things was made by amateurs. Mm-hmm. Right. If say your high school play the 96 bulls in basketball and they only, they only scored a few points, right? Like, your high school team, like right? 300 to four, 300 to four. Would you say that high school team is the worst team ever? Right. Right. Or they, that they, they even played badly. Probably not. They did the best they could with the skills and talents that they had. Now, if you take a more mainstream director and they produce something that's trash, I say that's a lot worse than like something like things because they have the skill, the talent, and the money to do better, and they did not. Right, right. I think, so for those who don't know, Things is a late 80s independent film that me and Bruce discovered while checking out Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. And I don't, I can't tell you how much I love it. It's very much, people say that movies, oh, it's like a dream. It was very dreamlike or had dream logic. No, this movie is like a dream. It makes no sense. The picture quality is bad. The audio is bad. <laughs> the audio is bad. The acting is bad. Yes. The writing is bad. Just like, it, it's like experiencing a dream. But I think I love it so much because I honestly think they tried. They did try. Like, they didn't try to make the shittiest movie. They tried their best to make the best movie, mm-hmm. and it is shitty. Yes. That's why yes. I love it so much. I and agree. the catchy music. <laughs> you got yourself it's a tailspin. tailspin. <laughs> We made way downtown. <laughs> We've integrated that into our lexicon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time one of us is confused or stumbles, we're like, oh, I'm in a tailspin. Yes, exactly. So check out things if you want to torture your significant <laughs> other. <laughs> but uh, overall, Halloween Kills is really good. And I agree with the fact that a lot of people, 
in order to make a statement, they have to say a definitive, this was shit, or mm-hmm. this was great. Yeah, right. And perfect example is Dune. New Dune came out, yeah. and I really dislike the original mm-hmm. movie. I can't stand it, but I'm kind of on this on the vein of just like what you like. Don't be a mm-hmm. dick about it. Yeah. So even though I'll be like, yeah, I didn't like that movie. It wasn't for me. You know, I couldn't really get into it. Uh, we have friends that really love Dune. Mm-hmm. They grew up with that movie, and I'm super happy for them that a good quality version of the film is now out. Right. I watched it. I think it's a good film. It looks good, but I still it doesn't grab. Yeah, me. it doesn't grab you, but but you cannot deny the technical achievement, achievement. of yeah. that film, right? Well, that's the thing where I can't remember who it was, but maybe it was Martin Scorsese. I can't remember, but he bashed superhero films, mm-hmm. and my I mean, you know, I'm Mister Marvel. Right. I'm, I love everything Marvel, the MCU. I have a wall of comics and figures. I love it. I love the MCU, but regardless of what you feel about the movies. It is, in my opinion, the single greatest cinematic achievement in human history. Right. You had, I mean, just the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. You have 20 plus movies culminating in a two movie epic right. with that many actors, that large of a cast, mm-hmm. that big of a scale that we've mm-hmm. never seen before. Right. And so you can hate it all you want. You say it's not for you. It doesn't grab you. But you can't sit there and say it's trash. No, it's not. like it's just yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still it's still amazing to think about to this day. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, they did they achieved what people like Marvel and DC were doing during this, the Silver Age, building these giant cohesive worlds, right? Where you had to buy every issue because every issue was significant to what was going on in that world. It didn't matter whether it was Spider-Man or Fantastic Four. You had to buy every issue of Fantastic Four because it would affect somehow, eventually, what was happening in Spider-Man. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily true in function, but they certainly made you feel that way in theory. Right. Right. They, they, ga- they gave you that sense that this is every issue is important for and some reason. That it was a living, breathing world. world. And that's what they achieved with these Marvel movies was that they convinced you, you have to see every single one to know what's going on in this universe. Right. But you were saying on scale, what other people can scale mm-hmm. is money. Yeah. Like a gold digger looks <laughs> for money. That is the worst segue in the world. Well, you know, you know what? It's not the worst because you tried. See? And you're you, still I'm, learning. That was the <laughs> things version of a segue. <laughs> so you're ready to talk about dead right. Is it dead right or dead rights? Dead it, right. It's dead right. and Which doesn't quite make sense. Well, I think it, it does in a way, but it, it's. I think it's a bit tortured. To me, well, by the way, in the comic, it's called dead right with an explanation point. Uh-huh. In the, dead it, right right dead right <laughs> and so, <laughs> what's funny is after i watched it i tried to like like how do i say it how do i introduce yeah. it so I, I think i got it okay. i think i got it so okay. if you uh if please okay please. this is season two episode one dead right there you go but uh, it was on april 21st 1990 it was directed by howard deutsch and written by Stephen Dodd and Andy Walk. Okay, uh, take Stephen Dodd out of that. Because oh. he's credited with writing every single episode. 
But if you go look on IMDb, he's just credited as a creator. I don't think he actually wrote a single episode. Oh. Yes. Andy Volk, Andy Volk, or Volk, whatever, he was the writer on this. Andy Wolk. Yeah. W-O-L-K. Yes. And okay. starring Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor. And my guy, Troy Evans. Troy Evans. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, um, we'll, get, we'll get to him in a moment. You want to go through the break, the, the synopsis? Yeah. Kathy visits a fortune teller, hoping to learn about her future. Though abrasively skeptical at first, when the psychic correctly predicts that Kathy will be fired from her job that afternoon, only to find another job that same day, she becomes convinced. Visiting the psychic again, Kathy is told she will marry a large man who is poor when they meet, but becomes rich after they marry, only to die a violent death soon thereafter. Kathy then meets Charlie, an obese man with poor hygiene. After Kathy rejects his advances, she is told by the psychic that Charlie is indeed the man she will marry. After a few miserable dates, they do marry, and married life is no better for Kathy. Buying lunch one day, she is surprised to find out that she is the cafeteria's one millionth customer and is awarded one million dollars. When she goes home that night to tell Charlie that she is now rich and leaving him, he murders her in a fit of jealous rage. He inherits her money, becoming rich, but then is executed on the electric chair, fulfilling the prophecy. And I guess you could say the fortune teller was dead, dead right. right. Oh my God, that's it! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I was gonna. I, I was waiting. That was yeah, baby. Wow. <laughs> I, as I tell my lovely wife Grace all the time, I am not a smart man. <laughs> it did take me a second to figure out. I was like, why is it called dead? Oh, oh okay. yeah. So, so with, we know Howard Deutsch. Yes. Uh, oh, the director. He's the director. directed yeah. tons. Tons of stuff. He he directed Only Sin Deep. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Which is a classic. Um, Andy Walk. What did he do? Let me see here. Uh, he's mainly a TV director now. Um, he wrote an episode of Tales from the Crypt, but now he mostly does those bland CBS series that boomers think are edgy, but oh. have no teeth. You know, oh. like Navy SEALs and, you know, all their copaganda shows. Right. right. Copaganda? Copaganda, yeah. I've never heard that. Never before. heard that term. It's, um, it's NCIS. It's it's, yeah, like that. Like uh, NCIS. He doesn't do those shows, but those, he doesn't do NCIS specifically, but those type of shows is what he does now. Right. Uh, and we have Demi Moore. Come on. A-lister. A-lister. Uh, she did a run on Empire. This is interesting. She did a run on the show Empire about the hip-hop uh, oh, yeah, I've uh, seen producers. Um, I've seen that um, for it. Howard Deutsch also directed episodes of Empire, but not the same episodes. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Huh. Um, and to my interests, she was born in Roswell, New Mexico. No way. In 1962, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's an alien. <laughs> Nothing crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we also have Jeffrey Tambor. Okay, yeah, another one of those guys, A-lister. Oh, yeah. In I tons mean, of um, stuff. Uh, arrested he, Development. Arrested Development, yeah. Uh, he may have committed a little treason. And what? again, relevant to my interests, he played three different roles on Three's Company. Oh, wow. Yes. And then he was one of the uh, the principal actors on the spinoff, The Ropers. Jeez. Yeah, he was on like, every episode of that for like, a season. Yeah, he's an A-lister yeah. as well. I think he got in trouble a few years ago for sexual harassment or oh. assault. Yeah. I'm going to check on that before I publish Before this. you edit this. Yeah. Um, uh, we had, uh, sorry if I'm butchering this. Yeah. Natalja Nogolich? Yeah, that, that is as close as I think we're going to get. <laughs> she plays Madame Vorna. The, the psychic. For, the psychic fortune teller. And my man... Troy fucking Evans. <laughs> Troy Evans is one of those dudes. If there's a, an angry 
crew cut fat middle-aged man between the 80s and early 90s in any movie and tv show it's troy it's evans. troy evans yes uh he was the sheriff in the, in the movie the frighteners have you ever seen that oh yeah yeah um and he was also also again relevant to my interest he played bibbo bukowski on the worst superman show lois and clark I actually I know liked you like that. I liked I it when it. I was a kid. I, I didn't know it. any better. Right, no, no, no. But like, even when it was on, I was like, this is trash. I don't like this. As a S- Superman fan, I was like, I hate this. Wow. But he played uh, Bibbo Bukowski, who I think this might be the only live action version of that character. He is the dude they kind of sh- like they use to show like Superman's effect on people. Like, his, oh. like how his presence changes people. He's a he's a bar owner. He owns a bar called the Ace of Clubs, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he's like this. Um, rough around the edges but heart of gold man yeah who's like he claims to be superman's best pal or i'm superman's <laughs> best friend or biggest fan right right and they use him to show like how superman's presence in metropolis changes people for the better oh yeah actually he owns a bar in this episode yes he does a strip or bar. strip club yeah oh real quick um natalia nagolovich yeah oh man i butchered that but it's not I, gonna get any better sorry um, she was the wife of Clark Griswold's boss, played by Brian Doyle Murphy, in Christmas Vacation. Really? Yeah, you know, she's with the, the uh, uh, cousin Eddie kidnaps him, mm-hmm. brings him to the house. She's the wife who comes in wearing the, like the mink stole. And, oh, wow. Yeah. She's yeah, that's great like in this her, episode. Um, she, she's in the tons and tons and tons of like one off TV credits, but she's had a career. Right, right, right. She's a working actor and has made a life around it. So I mean, good on her. This, I'm really surprised. I mean, this is 1990. So Demi Moore is at this point in a list. The height of right. her power. And it's so insane is, to think that this she would I think do a this TV is series. Right before she became really big. Like, this is right before, like, Striptease and like, yeah, Courage didn't. Under Fire. Or was that Courage Under Fire where she plays the helicopter captain? That shot down in Iraq. Wasn't she in G.I. Jane? G.I. Jane, yeah. I'm a, I might be thinking of another movie. But yeah, it's G.I. Jane. Uh, yeah. This is right before Ghost. Uh, so it's right before she blows up. Yeah, right before she blows up. Wow. It's either right before or right after. It's within this time period that she yeah. has Ghost. Wow. Yeah. Are we ready to roll? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go through this. <laughs> okay. So once again, this is Dead Right, Season 2, Episode 1. And the episode starts... With the Crypt Keeper dressed as a fortune teller, saying you'll be sickened and disgusted by what your future holds. You're really setting up things here. The Crypt Keeper, not you. The Crypt Keeper is really setting up Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. expectations here. Well, and he says, you'll be sickened and disgusted by your future. Your future is me! And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I guess he just calling himself ugly. Oh, poor Crypty. Right. <laughs> we love you. And he, the Crypt Keeper also says this is a story of a gold digger who just found the big one. So before we get into this, I'm going to just call this episode Fat Joke the Movie. Right. This is a lot of fat shaming. So much fat shaming. Right. <laughs> it took me three hours it, to watch the episode and take all my notes. And there's just so many dingers. Yeah. I mean, Man. It's funny. There are more fat jokes. In fact, there was not a single fat joke in the comic version of this, it's all in the show. I think she calls him like disgusting or a slob. Yes, but I think, and we'll get to this when we talk about the comic, because it's more about his hygiene in the comic than his weight. Right. Yeah. And I will say, for the most part, this is 
the comic and the episode are almost one for yes, one. Yes, they are. Except for the sleaze. Yes, there's a bit more sleaze, and how she wins her fortune is a tiny bit different. Right. Yeah. Or but, the, the amounts she wins. Right. But I will say that I love this episode because Demi Moore murders it. Yes. And her one-liners oh. are so good. She is unsympathetic. She's this. great. Yes. So, the episode starts... With Kathy walking the street, she arrives at a fortune teller store called Madame Vorna's. Kathy comes in and says, Are you Madame Vorna? I heard that you can tell the future. Vorna, looking at her dog, said, She heard correct, Trotsky. And Trotsky, the dog, barks. Mm. Super cute dog, by the way. Super cute dog. I thought that was Wishbone at first, but I looked it up. It's not not Wishbone. Oh, wow. Cute cute doggo. (laughs) Yeah. Kathy says she doesn't believe, but what the hell? And Vorna says, yeah, what the hell? The fee's 20 bucks. So I looked it up. This this episode's set in the 50s. You can tell by the styles and the cars. It is, it's, I huh. think it's actually, I think they s- stated at one point that's 58. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so she says it's $20. Yeah. That is $90 in today's money. Jeez. So, or no, it was $90 in 1990 money. So I don't think Kathy is hurting for money. If she can just blow 90 bucks like this. Right. Or the equivalent of 90 bucks like this. Right. So Kathy says, do you use tarot cards? And Vorna says, I have a second sight. I use me and you and I read your vibrations. They both sit down. And Vorna says, I'm an empty vessel and your spirit fills me up. Lols. (laughs) Vorna closes her eyes and breathes heavily. Vorna says, you're a secretary wasting your life typing, but that's not your plan, is it? You dream of marrying a wealthy man, but you never did. So you work and you type and you type while you wait for Mr. Right or Mr. Rich. (laughs) Kathy replies, not bad. Vorna replies, you'll soon lose your job. You'll lose your job today, but at the end of your day, you'll have a brand new job. Kathy says, you're wacko. I can't get fired. My boss is out of town. She looks up at the clock and she says, my lunch hour is almost up. Thanks for nothing. That was a very quick lunch hour because she's not in that seat for more than a minute. Unless that uh, Madame Vorna's place is like a two mile walk. (laughs) Right. And so it took her, as we'll find out, 45 minutes to walk one way and then 45 minutes to walk the other way. (laughs) Right. Right. So she leaves. But before she leaves, Trotsky, the dog, tugs at her jacket, which I thought was really weird. Yeah. Because it's never brought up again. Yeah, it's it's just, oh, we have a cute dog. Let's have it do a cute dog thing. I mean, it's a cute dog. Yeah. So any, Trotsky, the dog, is the MVP of the episode. Mm-hmm. So then the segue goes to the, uh, the office that she works at, in which Kathy arrives back at work. She tells her co-worker, Vorna was a waste of time, a real quack. As she is punching her time clock, she says that Vorna said that she'll get fired today. This is good. And she said, I told her that my asshole boss isn't even in town. (laughs) As the camera is panning to the right over her shoulder as she says this, it shows her boss. Yes. And he says, that asshole came back unexpectedly. (laughs) I love it. A shocked Kathy apologizes, and the boss says that he's not some thin-skinned boss that can't take being called nasty names. 
But your time card says that you left lunch at 12. She agrees. And he says, but it's now 125. So you're fired. <laughs> right. So rarely will people get fired for coming back from lunch a bit late the first time. Right. 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 Well, she also called <laughs> um, him an asshole. Right. Unless that boss is a huge asshole. Exactly. Right? So either he is a huge asshole and she was right to call him that, or this was the final straw in a series of incidents. Which, yeah, right. which we'll never know. Yeah. So she gets fired, and as Kathy walks down the street, she sees Al, the bartender and strip club owner. Yeah. Talking. Played by your boy, Troy Evans. Yeah, yeah. Troy. Shout out, Troy Evans. <laughs> and Al is uh, outside of his bar yelling at a woman and firing her. The woman says, I quit. You'll never replace me. And Al, in his most sarcastic tone <laughs> as an actor, says, where will I find another waitress? <laughs> and he looks it's over right, right at Kathy and he says, hey, you. <laughs> and she says you talking to me and al goes i, I love this he goes you want a job <laughs> like he says it like a, a minnesotian yeah you want a job <laughs> and then you know, it, i forgot to mention he's in another episode oh really Crypt. Yeah, i think it's in the fourth season it's called split personality nice he shows up again i'm yeah. in the middle of season four okay can't I'll, I'll i'll shout out to him when uh when we get to it so kathy looks shocked that the premonition came true the next scene is at Vorna's. She went back and she looks at the clock and it says 110. Kathy says, you were right. I was fired because your stupid clock was slow. <laughs> and Vorna says, but you weren't unemployed for long, darling. Kathy says, no, I wasn't. Verna says, I see a lot of money in your future. But before that, I see a man in black and you in white. It's your wedding day. Kathy says, tell me about that money. <laughs> so it's funny like, her response to all that is right. the money like the great philosopher Yeezy once said she ain't nothing but a gold digger mm. Mm. oh we'll find out Borna <laughs> replies the man will not be wealthy at the time of your marriage Kathy says well forget it then I'm not marrying some jerk unless he's loaded already I want yachts and diamonds and furs. And in the line of the night, <laughs> Borna says, boats and coats? What about love? <laughs> Kathy says, that's important too. <laughs> Borna says, not to you. You love money. Kathy says, I don't know. I've never had any. Borna says, after you're married, your husband will inherit a great deal of money. It will come from somewhere near and dear to him. After he inherits the money, he will die violently. <laughs> Kathy, laughing, says, I'll be a rich widow. Yeah. Vorna mm. says, you'll meet him tonight. He's a large man, and he will approach you. You know, I got to be honest here. Like, I don't blame her for wanting to be a rich widow. Like, I hope in the next life, I can come back as a rich widow. Damn. Like, no, no, seriously, it sounds awesome. You get to wear sunglasses and mink stoles and have those like long cigarettes, right? Or like those long stem cigarettes. I mean, do you have to be a rich widow to, to have that style? Uh, Yeah, I, I can't do it right now. I don't think yes, it's, you like, can. Fit me Bruce, who you I am. fucking do but it. But listen, but listen, it's awesome because then you get to have like a string of suspicious deaths under your belt and you get to say things like, well, I never, and what a shame. 
Hmm. You've thought about this. <laughs> I've thought about this. <laughs> Interesting. We'll it talk sounds about like a great this. lifestyle. We'll talk about this yeah. after we get, uh, I admit, unrecord. I admit there is a lot to unpack in that statement. <laughs> oh, boy. So Kathy says, I'm ready. The next scene is at the strip club that Kathy works at. Music is playing and strippers be stripping. <laughs> Kathy is working the tables and grabbing bottles. And Al on the mic says, Welcome to our, welcome our new waitress, Miss Kathy. Be generous to her. Now it's time for our main attraction, Miss Nude Nebraska 1948. <laughs> Miss Oraleen. Oh. Oraleen. Yeah, so if she is Miss Nude 1948, this can't be much further than the 50s. It's early yeah. 50s. Yeah. And the young girl starts to dance. Kathy says to Al, these guys are stingy. Al says, you know why they're here implying that only the women that strip get right. more money. And now, she has a nice dress on. Yes. Yes. She does, yeah. but she doesn't have just tassels on no, she on the not. stage. No. And Kathy says, "I know, I saw the sign outside. It says big tits, not big tips." Got him. Got him. This episode rules. And so at the same time, a very very large man named Charlie comes in and sits down. Kathy notices him and says, ow, do you see that guy? He's huge. That guy even has his own zip code. Yeah, you know what's funny about that? So huh. this is the 50s. Zip codes were not used until the 1960s. You fucking nerd. <laughs> and beforehand, they had... Um, what did they use like, before? They, they, this thing called like mailing zones. And so what they do, like, you know, you have your address. They like, you know, you live in a you live in Nashville. Back then, they'd have you'd be in Nashville Zone Five. Oh, for some reason that wasn't efficient enough, right? So they the the, the zip code system is a more efficient system. Wow. Uh, and I don't think I know it was introduced in the '60s, but I don't think it was like universal use until like the very late '60s. Damn. So we it's a ve- some, it's a relatively new thing. Learn something new yeah. every day. Damn. There you go. So she says he has his own zip code, or we will say mailing code. (laughs) And Al Al says, he's one of our best, so bite your lip and get to work. All right, Al, she replies. She walks. Boy, that could apply to a lot of things in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy walks up to Charlie, and Kathy says, what'll it be? Charlie... At initially is not looking at her. He's staring at the stripper, and he says... I'll have a Rob Roy. As he ends that sentence, he looks up at her and he is in awe. Right. Did you notice the music in this scene? It's weird. No. It's like a slow version of the Peter Gunn theme. Or, well, for people our age, a very slow version of the Spy Hunter theme. Oh. Yeah. It's huh. like, dun, 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 dun. Oh, dun, well, like generic dun, stripper dun, music. Dun, 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 right. Dun, dun. Yeah. Interesting. And so as he looks up at her, he is in awe. Kathy notices this and says, something else? Charlie says, day tonight. And which is really, this, he's so creepy. He is so, like, when you first see him, he just looks like he's overweight. But as the episode goes on, you see him more in the light. He's pretty disgusting. He's, I mean, the actor has had a ton of prosthetics yes. put on his face. His right. nose is They make huge. him, they, it's not just that he's overweight. They make him look deformed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He yeah. looks like just a, a, a like a seven foot tall version of the penguin. Yes. From Batman. Yes. Like yes. I, that's the vibe that I got from yeah. it. 
Uh, from Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. So just it's a Dana DeVito penguin with a Mario mushroom. Yes. <laughs> and bam, you have this. You have Charlie. And so he says, date tonight? Kathy says, no way. She starts to walk away. Charlie says, hey. She points at her. She turns around. He says, are you playing hard to get? She says, no. Try impossible to get. Ooh. Got him. She goes over to Al, says, a Rob Roy for the fat boy. <laughs> She's pretty horrible. Like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, a like, horrible person. He's kind of creepy. And at one point, it gets uncomfortable. Very. Uh, but before that, she is just, she's unnecessarily mean to this guy. Trotsky, the dog, and Al, the bar owner, are the only good people in this episode. (laughs) Well, maybe the psychic. Um, she, but she knows what's going to happen. I don't think she knows how it's going to play out. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. There is one part that implies that she may be a little evil, but I'll get to it. Okay. I'll get to it. I don't, I don't know. I'll get your opinion. So she says, she says, one Rob Roy for the fat boy. Kathy stares off in the distance, realizing that this could be the guy that Vorna talked about. I, I will say that Demi Moore's facial expressions tells a lot of the story. Yes. Like she says, give me the drink to the bartender. And then it cl- the uh, camera closes in on her. And that realization, she, you can see it. Right. You can see yeah. where she's like, yeah, give me a drink. Oh, fuck. This right. is the guy. You know, right. and, but she never says that. It's just her facial expressions. And so the next scene, Kathy is smoking a cigarette and she's watching the girl strip. I guess she must be like on a break Mm -hmm. or something. And Charlie comes up from behind her in the creepiest way possible. He somehow sneaks up on her. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And so Charlie says, I know you don't want to go out with me, but I'm the kind of guy who doesn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And then he kind of pushes her against the wall. That, yeah, yeah, that happens just in a moment. And so Kathy says, then how about no way, not for all the money in the world, which is weird because this whole thing's about her being a gold digger. Right. So there is money in the world and he's, everyone has a price, right? Everyone has a price and that price changes depending on circumstances. True. True. Charlie says, you move me, baby. (laughs) And then Kathy says, allied van lines couldn't move you. Now, I didn't get that at first because I don't know what Allied Van Lines is. They're a moving service. It's a moving company. Right. So, sick 1952 burn? I guess. No, they're still around. They might not have even been around in 1952. We're going to look that up real quick. Continue their breakdown. (laughs) Do it. Charlie starts to laugh and says, I know I'm a little overweight. Kathy then comes back and says, yeah, and Hitler's a little anti-Semitic. That's a good line. That (laughs) is a good line. And then she says, and you're also a little bald, and the Pope is a little Catholic. Oh. (laughs) Actually, I was wrong. They started in 1928. Hey. Yeah. Nice. Nice. She walks away. She goes downstairs, and she's putting out her cigarette in front of a mirror. Charlie is behind her in the most gross disgusting way possible yeah says you can't escape it we have a special connection between us kathy turns to face him and he puts his hand behind her neck we'll be together it's destiny i just want to say i've seen this in public and i don't get it because i've personally never done it the whole i'm gonna show my dominance over you by grabbing the back of your neck Right. It's gross. Yeah. So I don't, I'm, 
I don't know why that was ever in style or whoever thought that was a good idea. <laughs> but I've seen guys do that to women, and I'm yes. like, Mm-mm. no, don't do that. Mm-mm. Hey, guys, don't do that. Don't do that. So, or girls. I don't know. Yeah, you, you girls do to too. Your, yeah. So, hey, hey, people, 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 don't do that. Don't do that to your significant other <laughs> or anyone. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah just don't do it to your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what up, Larry? Bop. <laughs> so she pushes him away and runs. She runs outside and gets to Vorna's shop. I don't know how close the shop is to where she works. But <laughs> Vorna... Apparently, it's a lot further than her other job. Yes. Vorna is putting on cream on her face and chest as she has a towel over her head. You can tell that she is definitely packed in for the night. Yeah. And she wears rabbit's, rabbit slippers. Yes. Which I caught that and I was like, nice touch. I used to have a pair of those. I love them. Oh. They're used- so comfortable and nice to wear around. And then... Uh, I left him at an ex's place, and she did not give him back to me when she gave me back my stuff. Cold-blooded. I know. Damn. Guess what you're getting for Christmas? Nah. Ah. Uh, so, uh, Vorna says, Kathy says, tell me that fat, disgusting creep isn't who I'm going to marry. Vorna replies, you were rude to him, weren't you? Take it easy and sit down. Kathy says, he's so ugly. I can't be with him. Vorna replies, it is him. You'll be married. He'll inherit a large fortune after you marry, and then he will die a violent death. I already told you this. Here, have an animal cracker. <laughs> Trotsky swears to them. And she offers her an animal cracker from a cigar box as Trotsky barks. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. It's so, so weird. The next scene is at a cafeteria, like a cafeteria diner. It's one yeah. of those things where like you go to these vending yeah, machines. Yeah, it's an automat where like you'd go, like, like you were saying, go to a, a vending machine. They're really popular in, like, in the early part of the 20th century. Right. There's the people staffing behind them or who just go there and put things in them. But you can get like, put a quarter and get a slice of pie, get a sandwich, uh, even get a cup of coffee. Right. 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 Yeah. And so she goes there, to this, I guess it's yeah. just considered a cafeteria or diner. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you go, you can go in there, pay and eat right there. It's not like a vending machine where you just go up, get your money and just fuck off somewhere. Right. I've only been yeah. to one. There's one in Southern Indiana that's still around. I don't mm-hmm. know if it is now, but that was a weird experience. I love them. I've been to one before too. It might be the same place, right. but I'd love them. It was weird. Yeah. But anyway, she goes to this cafeteria and Kathy is having lunch with her ex coworker, the girl that she talked mm-hmm. to at the office right before she got fired. She tells her about the situation. The co-worker says, just marry him. He'll die soon after, right? And Kathy impersonates Madame Vorna's uh, Eastern European accent and says, he'll die violently. This, this, is a, this is, again, a place where, like, she's just being mean about this guy. Right. She's very yeah. cruel. Yes. And so this is probably my favorite part of the episode where they discuss ways that he will die. <laughs> yeah. But I love how, I don't know if this is the director's choice yeah. or not, but as they're discussing it in the cafeteria, they see him dying in the cafeteria yeah. in those ways. Yes, yes. As though he's in the same scene yeah. with them, but no one else can see it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So the first one is he's... Um, hit by a car. He's hit by a car. So uh, Kathy... As she's discussing ways yeah. he could die, she looks out the window and she sees him walking the street, mm-hmm. obviously holding a bunch of food because right. he's fat. Right. Gets hit by a car and it's a hilarious like 
plastic dummy that pops right. up in the air <laughs> and the food goes everywhere right and then the next one she and she goes no 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 he he can't get hit by a car he's too fat he has to get hit by a mac truck right and so the next one is him in the same position getting hit by a mac truck <laughs> and, and plastic, carried off screen and yeah it gets carried off screen like the food explodes mm. it's great and then the next one is choking on food and yeah. she turns her head to the right at the table next to mm. her and she sees charlie choking on food and it's really gross yes like he's got a piece of rib sticking out of his mouth right it's, it's like in monty python's the meaning of life that scene where that dude overeats and explodes eventually yeah. but they somehow make it grosser yeah yeah and then he just like face plants on ribs yeah yeah kathy laughs and then her friend says go for it they the segue into the next scene is of that night the dancer is shaking her tassels Al is talking to Kathy as Charlie approaches, taps her on the shoulder, and sits down. Al says, nurse, I think you got a patient. (laughs) I love it. Charlie claps to the music that's playing as Kathy walks up to him. Charlie says, hey, baby. Kathy says, what's your pleasure? Charlie says, you busy tonight? You could get off early. Kathy replies, I'm busy. Charlie says, too busy for dinner and dancing the works as she is starting to reply he shushes her and says you feel that (laughs) (laughs) kathy looks disgusted and says hey if you're asking someone out and they disgustingly say okay right just don't go right don't do it yeah we give have respect for yourself yes yes it's yeah it's the most just like disgusting like Okay. Yeah. But she says, but I don't know your name. And he goes, it's Charlie Marno. Pleased to meet you. And he does a little like two fingers on his eyebrow. A salute. A salute. Yeah. And so the next scene, they're watching an old movie in a movie theater. And he has two comically large tubs of popcorn. Right. And I don't, I actually was going to look this up, but I forgot. Mm Mm-hmm. They're watching a horror movie in which it's a, a cat person's face about to attack a woman who's sleeping. And I think that's like is it cat the night people? kite people from yeah. 1933, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah, could be wrong. Also, he's wearing a tux. Well, yeah. Who wears a tux to the movies when you're taking Demi Moore to the <laughs> movies? <laughs> I guess I don't know. And so they're at the movies, and she's super annoyed the whole time. He even tries to like put his arm around her, and she kind of rolls her eyes a little bit. Charlie says, hey, "Oh, in the next scene, they are at dinner, and they're at a Chinese food place." And Charlie is just destroying food. And he says, I love Chinese food, except, and then when Kathy interrupts and says, you want to eat like 20 minutes later? And he slaps the table and starts to laugh. Yeah. His his personality, aside from how he cannot take no for an answer from a woman. Right. His personality, aside from that too, is very off-putting. He's very sad. Yeah, I get sad thinking about his character. Yeah, but that just means that the actor did an amazing job showing yes. how pathetic this guy really yeah. is. And we—I uh, I don't think we mentioned it beforehand, but he's in like this very large fat suit. Did oh yeah, that? yeah. And he's a big dude. Yeah, he's, I mean, a, he's already a big dude, but they made him bigger. Oh yeah, yeah. they easily get, put another hundred pounds on him. Yeah. he's massive. And so that he—he's still destroying food. And the next scene is them dancing, and he steps on her foot, and he says. I'm actually light on my feet. And Kathy mumbles to herself. 
I wish you were light on my feet. Oh. In which, in which he says, what? And she goes, you're such a delight to meet. <laughs> There's twice where she does this like misdirection yeah. where she says something and then yeah. corrects herself. It's gold. And so that's the end of the night. And he walks her to her door and he grabs her arm to force a kiss. Yeah. And which she's clearly not into. Yeah. And so he, he, he kisses her on the lips. They wave goodbye. She closes the door. And as he walks away, the camera pans into her kitchen window and yeah. she's vomiting it's in the sink. It's not that bad, Demi Moore. Right. <laughs> you don't know what his breath's like. That's true as well. Because his front teeth look a bit rotted. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And so the next scene is later, I think a couple of nights later, they've impl- they imply that they've already been on a number of dates. Right. And so Charlie says, I can't wait for tomorrow. And she goes, why, Charlie? He goes, because I keep getting better looking every day. <laughs> and he's slapping the <laughs> Yeah, table. he's like, rawr, yeah. Rawr, rawr, rawr. yeah. Horrible joke. That's a joke I would make. Right. <laughs> I'm going to use that for now on. Yeah. And he says, what do you think of my new suit? And she goes, it's very you. And he goes, when I saw it, and she interrupts and says, I had to have it. It's very Charlie Marno. And he goes, man, you really get me, babe. Just only after a couple of dates. It's the same suit he had on their first date. I think the tie's different. (laughs) I mean... Okay. Yeah, whatever. And so he said, we're meant to be together. I ain't got much going on right now, but I got good prospects. And I'm crazy about you. Will you marry me? Kathy says, well, I don't know much about you. Charlie says, you know, I love you. And Kathy replies, but your background, your family... You got any rich relatives? Uncle, I'm sorry. Charlie says, well, I got an uncle. He owns a factory, but I'm not asking him for nothing. Yeah, because she couches it in like, what if there's an emergency and we need help? Right, right, right. She kind of masks what she's asking, basically. And he goes, I'm not asking him for nothing. Kathy says, well, you don't have to. I was just asking. Sure, Charlie. Sure, I'll marry you. The next scene is at their wedding. In which Kathy says, I do till death do us part. There's a huge pause yeah. before she says death do us right. part. And it's like, wink. That night, Charlie's in bed, very excited. And he's <laughs> yelling for Kathy. She. <laughs> this is actually my favorite line. Really? Yeah. She then gets to bed as Charlie. No, no, no. She says something. He's like, when are you coming to bed? And she says, you can start without me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does. And I'm like, what? What was it? Damn. Hey, you know what? That's her kink. I can't shame no her kink. for it. We don't kink shame yeah. on this show. We don't. And so when she gets to bed, he starts caressing her and she looks disgusted. They kiss. She is definitely not into it. No. And the camera pans over to a record playing that he started and it goes into a marriage montage. No, yes. So they fast forward and she's cleaning the house and he's eating a big ass sandwich. And he tells her with his mouth full, you missed the spot. And then the next one, they're dancing. What's weird is they're showing what married life is like over the next three months. Yes. While in in putting in segments of them dancing, like a ballroom dance. What's weird about that scene is it looks like she's having fun while they're dancing. Yeah. I noticed that. And I noticed that like they look like they're having a good time. So I think they just filmed them dancing. Yeah. And didn't know what to do with the footage. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Just know between each of these little snippet um, montage moments that they're mm-hmm. dancing. Yeah. So the next one is 
he uh, gets done with breakfast and she puts down a whole bunch of donuts and says, now it's time for your dessert. Mm -hmm. And I am going to say that at this point, Demi Moore has this 1940s dress and like bandana on. Mm -hmm. It's the best Demi Moore's ever looked. (laughs) I'm not really into Demi Moore, to be honest, but that was the best I've ever seen her. This is really pretty, but I I like that whole like um 1950s yeah uh, bomber girl is that yeah, what they used the, to call the pinups yeah pinups yeah. yeah 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 there you go and so Charlie says I love married life after she puts the donuts down and she goes yeah rich isn't it get it <laughs> ah! rich gold digger yeah. <laughs> and the next one she's doing laundry and he walks past her and gives her the dirtiest <laughs> nastiest whitey tidies in yes. the world yes. And says, don't forget this, and then smacks her ass. She immediately grabs a bottle of alcohol on top of the washer and chugs it. Ah, the the 50s housewife self-medicating. Ah, yes. And so, at this point, now we are back to reality where she stops the record. And it's, in the, it's three months in the future. They're about to have sex. Yeah. And she says, I got a headache. Charlie says, again, forget aspirin. Let me give you a dose of extra strength, Charlie Marno. <laughs> Wait. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy says, I have heard. Have you heard from your rich uncle? The Wait, one who owns yeah. the factory. He says, no, he's out west with his family. And at this point, Kathy flips the fuck out. Right. Like, she loses her mind. Uh-huh. And, and he is so confused. Dude, he, like, <laughs> he, he, she's screaming and yelling at him for not mentioning that this uncle has a family. And he's like, what? Why? What does it matter? And she flips out and calls him stupid for not mentioning this earlier. Charlie is confused, and she storms into the restroom. The next day at Madame Vorna's, Vorna is working out, which is kind of funny. Like she's just doing a little workout. <laughs> Did you notice that like she's watching what would be a workout video on TV? Yes. It's, it's in black and white. It looks like it's from the 50s. But she's not going along with the exercises. She's doing her own thing while watching it. Oh, I know. Yeah. Idea. Wow. <laughs> like yeah. the dude is doing leg lifts and she's doing squats. Oh, I didn't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch that. Huh. Kathy says, I spent three months with this slob because of you. Vorna says, so I guess the honeymoon is over. <laughs> she has no chill. <laughs> Kathy says that she's done with the both of them. She's done wasting her time, and she storms out. Vorna says he will inherit money. He will die violently. Vorna is right. She looks right at the camera, breaking the fourth wall, and says, Vorna is always right. This is the part that I mentioned earlier where I'm like, she's... Yeah. Little, this is I the see. wink and the nod. Yeah. But also, I love it uh, when people have a career or a job. They're like, I don't make mistakes. I love that. I love that confidence. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's that's her uh, shining moment in the episode because she looks right at you. And she's like, "Mm -mm, I'm always right. Right. Don't worry about it. So Kathy crosses the street to that cafeteria and she puts in a coin in the vending machine. I think to get coffee. Mm -hmm. At this point, all of a sudden... People start to swarm her with cameras. It's the press. And a man says, congratulations, you are our cafeteria's one millionth customer. He asks for her name and presents her with a check for one million dollars. That's the equivalent of 4.5 million in 1990. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's, lot of money. That's a lot. Yeah. 
And so there's this victory sound effects take like, mm. like as this is going right. on. Kathy says, this is another one. Kathy says, that Vorn is a dumb bitch. <laughs> and, a, and a woman, a press lady was like, what? And she goes, it feels great to be rich. <laughs> yes. But you know what? If she feels that Vorna was a dumb bitch who didn't know what she was talking about. Well, guess what? You were the one paying her. So who's the dumb bitch? And you got married to a guy you're yeah. not, you, you don't love. Yeah, based on that supposedly stupid person's advice. Right. right. And the press, um, the lady from the press says, well, what about Mr. Marno? Kathy says, I can't wait to tell him all about it. Next scene, she arrives at their apartment. And she's wearing a very fancy dress and has bags. Clearly, yeah. she's gone shopping. Right. So not only did she get the check, she put it in her bank account. Uh-huh. And she went shopping, and now she's back home. Right. Busy, busy bee. Busy day. Busy day. Charlie is in the kitchen chopping up some food, as you do. And he says, is that you, Kathy? Kathy, as she starts to pack a suitcase, yes, you fat, disgusting slob. (laughs) Charlie looks. Most of this episode is Charlie looking confused. Yes. If he's not creeping on her, he's completely oblivious to what's happening. He actually, during her tirade here, he looks hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He does a great job of emoting through that fat suit and those prosthetics they put on him. I think everybody's performance was amazing. There's not one dud in the episode at all. It's great. And so Charlie looking confused and Kathy says, Madam Vorna was wrong. I got the money, not you. I have the last laugh and I have had the last dose of Charlie Marno. Now, by the way, Charlie has no fucking clue who this woman is. Yeah. He has no idea who Vorna is. Yeah. And Charlie says, what are you talking about? Kathy says, I'm out of here. Thanks for three months of nausea. He tries to grab her by the suitcase. She lets go of the suitcase and he falls on his fat butt. She says, keep the clothes. I'll get new ones. It'll take forever to get the smell out of those. Okay, so they make this point in the comics that his hygiene was not good. They do a lot better job of it in the comic than the show. Because in the show, it just sounds like He's being, or she's being mean. This is just a way to attack him. Oh, she's being cruel. Yeah. For sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, it, you don't know whether it's true or not. Right. And as he gets himself up off the floor, he says, you can't leave. We love each other. Kathy starts to laugh. I loathe you, Charlie. Every day with you is like an eternity in hell. He grabs her. Do you feel it? Kathy says, no, I don't. I never felt it. At this time, he walks away to the Which kitchen. Which that's what he did in the in the bar. He grabbed her and said, "Can you feel it?" Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And so, as she says this, he walks away to the kitchen, and and Kathy says, "You want some advice? Eat a salad and take a bath." Ugh. Ugh. And so he goes up to the table and he grabs a knife. Charlie turns around with his knife and says, "One last thing: If I can't have you, no one can." Kathy immediately changes her tone when she looks down and sees the knife in his hand and says, take it easy, Charlie. He grabs her and she says, please put the knife down. And what's funny is he's holding the knife up in the air as she says, put it down. Yeah. And he goes, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And he, I will say, I love this actor. um, What was his name again? Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. I've never seen a murderer yeah be so convincing yes he 
loses it when yes. he's he starts stabbing her. Right. And it stabs her over and over again. And it's only he has in lost the heart. Mind. Yes. It, it's, I write down it's only in the left hit. Like symbolism. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Only uh, in the heart. And he is screaming the entire time. He just repeats the line, if I can't have yeah. you, no one can. But every time he plunges the knife into her chest, it's getting more mumbled and yeah. frantic. Yes. And I will say, this might be controversial. Uh-huh. As far as seeing the rage in someone as they're murdering someone, yeah. as, as a, a horror movie or a, yeah. a TV episode, this is the most terrifying. Yeah, it, it's it, it's very chilling. And you don't... See, I mean. I think we do see things like this from time to time, but it's usually only when the hero has lost it and is killing the villain. Right. Yeah. You don't see this in terms of like a bad person. I mean, technically it's a bad person murdering a bad person. Right. Right. But I I just, I can't say enough good things about the performance. Mm -hmm. He literally and figuratively kills it. Yes. And it's like, it gets so bad. That it's uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. It's very unsettling. Yes, for sure. I would definitely say the most unsettling death so far in, in the series. The series yeah. that we've in seen. fact, you know, I try to watch 365 horror-related things every year or every other year, and this is one of the more chilling murders I've seen. And this it's year. just—I mean, I don't want to downgrade methods, but yeah. usually in, there's a theme in horror movies where you have to make um, creative and unique mm-hmm. deaths. This is the stabbing. No, and it's mostly focused on his face the yes, entire time. As yeah. it should be, because yeah. he is the passion and the rage mm-hmm. that he is feeling and the yeah. confusion yeah. is boiling over into this basically mound of rage that's mm-hmm. being let loose, and the actor does an amazing job. Yeah. So he repeatedly says, If I can't have you, no one can. Then the next scene is at a cemetery and it's showing Kathy's grave. At the same time, a news reporter says Kathy was told that her husband would be rich. And then die violently. That's what will happen. Charlie inherited inherited her million dollars. But now he will die in the electric chair. Having had the largest meal in prison history. Yeah, even as they're executing him. They fat have joke. to fat shame him. Yeah. Fat shame. By the way, if you murder someone, you don't inherit their money. That's, I was going to ask you that. I was like, <laughs> yeah. so if, I, if a husband kills a wife, yeah. does he inherit? No. No. It, well, it's 1952. No, even then. Right. I was kind of confused. I was like, "That's weird. That's a weird yeah. loophole." But. Yeah. But also, we're talk. We're watching a show that has a talking corpse, so we can let this slide. Yeah, we're we're yeah. gonna loosen it up the rules a little <laughs> right. bit. Oh yeah, but even though all this, you know, he dies or he's about to die in the electric yeah. chair, they still got a fat shame. Yeah, him, which is and I think that, like when they execute him, they have a difficult time with it. Because he's so oh, putting, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting in the chair. It's and like, stuff. come on. And we we get it. This dude's big. They're televising the execution. Yeah. So basically, the news reporter is in front of a blind. Mm-hmm. They lift the blind where you can see him. Yeah. They they lower the blind, the blind and then they execute him. Yeah. And then they lift the blind up. Yeah. So we're noticing that the camera pans away and we're not watching the broadcast. We're watching Vorna mm-hmm. watching the broadcast. Mm-hmm. By so, the way. Do you know where the last public execution in the U.S. was? Uh, do not. It was in a little state called Kentucky. Hey. hey in the early 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. Good on us, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. At the same time that Vorna is watching this, a young woman walks into her shop and says, I heard you can read the future. Vorna says, she heard right, didn't she, Trotsky? 
The dog barks. The fee is $20. Pay in advance. And she's and eating popcorn while watching the execution. Absolutely. On TV. Yeah. As the screen fades to black. Oh. Now the Crypt Keeper says, Poor Kathy. That Charlie was a real cut up. Uh. <laughs> but Charlie got his just desserts. Then he requested seconds. Come on, Crypt Keeper. God damn it. We get it. He's big. As a member <laughs> of the overweight community. Fuck. <laughs> God. Ugh. Man. Yeah. So I, it, this is a problem with the comic too. In fact, I've, I read the, uh, a few of the stories in the issue that we're about to review. Right. It's mixed messages. The, the comic. And this is mixed messages. The TV show, because What's what's the point here? I, I like don't be a gold digger, or you might get in the in an abusive relationship and get rightfully murdered by your husband. I, I don't know. I think the whole thing is just the joke of the punchline being that Vorna was right. Right, she was right, and I think in a way this is about how greed destroys people because they are both greedy. Right, right. She wanted the money. He he was greedy for a person. Yeah, I could see that, and I they could. both could not handle not having that thing they desired. Right. Yeah. And so basically the, uh, the crib keeper says, and I predict because he's still wearing the fortune teller yeah. outfit. He says, I predict that next week you'll be back at the same channel at the same time. So that's the end of the television episode. What did you think? Eh, it's not where I would have led off for the second season. I love it. Yeah, I like her. Um, now her performances are good. I, her, Jeffrey Tambor is good. Um, it's just it didn't really hit me. Right, right. I could see like, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. I, 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 I didn't hate it. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I loved it. I could see how it could be like, eh, because yeah. there's not a huge swerve. Right. The swerve is just she was right because mm-hmm. it's very early on. It's the self fulfilling prophecy. Right. I mean. As you're within five minutes of being introduced to each character, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know he's a creep. Yes. You know she's a bitch, mm-hmm. gold digger, Vorna. I don't think she's necessarily a bad person, but she's one of those snarky know-it-alls because yeah. obviously she's she, a fortune teller. Yeah. But Al, I love Al. <laughs> he's great. And Trotsky and the dog. Trotsky is the MVP. Yes. Trotsky is our MVP because coop popper. Yeah. Anytime there's a dog, he's going to be our MVP. When, yeah, absolutely. Because you know sure. what? What? They're the best actors because they don't know they're acting. They never break character. They never break character. They never no. break character. <laughs> so uh, are we ready to go into the comic? So yeah, we're ready to go to the comic. This is based on a story, Dead Right, <laughs> from Shock Suspense Stories, number six, written by Al Felsing and Bill Gaines, with art by Jack Kamen. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Kathy visits a fortune teller, hoping to learn about her future. Though abrasively skeptical at first, when the psychic correctly predicts that Kathy will be fired from her job that afternoon, only to find another job that same day, she becomes convinced. Visiting the psychic again, Kathy is told she will marry a large man who is poor when they meet, but becomes rich after they marry, only to die a violent death shortly thereafter. Kathy then meets Charlie, an obese man with poor hygiene. After Kathy rejects his advances, she is told by the psychic that Charlie is indeed the man she will marry. After a few miserable dates, they do marry, and married life is no better for Kathy. Buying lunch one day, she is surprised to find out she is the cafeteria's one millionth customer and is awarded $25,000. When she she goes home that night to tell Charlie that she is now rich and leaving him, 
He murders her in a fit of jealous rage. He inherits her money, becoming rich, that is executed in the electric chair, fulfilling their prophecy. Dun, dun, dun! dun. This is almost one for one. Uh, Yeah, I agree. And I will say that if you take away the strip club Mm -hmm. and you take away um, a lot of the quick-witted jokes... yes. It's the exact same thing. Yes. They do make a point in the comic that, yes, his hygiene is poor. So it doesn't, it doesn't sound like she's just being cruel to him and making fun of him like in the show. Right. right. Although she is cruel to him. Yes. Yeah. Um, this issue is a rough issue of the comic. The very first thing you see is this cover. It's actually on the cover of oh. the Shock Suspense Stories e- EC Archives. Trade paperback just came out. Oh, yeah. It is the clan. Oh, I'm sorry. They don't call them the clan of the comic. They call them the Black Vigilante Group or Uh-oh. something that, like that. Um, getting ready to lynch a white woman. Oh, wow. And then if that, that story in there is called Undercover. Yeah. And this is why I call it Mixed Messages, the issue. Okay. So a reporter witnesses the clan. The, clearly the clan. Although they call it something else, it's clearly the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. A reporter witnesses them whipping a woman to death because she was um, friends or in a relationship somehow with minorities. Okay. And then the process of it, he sees the face of the, the clan leader, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to go to the press. He's going to call the FBI. He's running from them and uh, he gets attacked by them. They beat him up to stop him from calling the FBI. He wakes up from being beaten. He's like, it looks like he's in a a hotel room or a hospital or something. And there's two men there who are like, we're FBI agents. We got your message. Can you identify the leader of this group? And he's like, yeah, I can identify him. They pull out their guns and shoot him because they're not actually FBI agents. They're members of the group. And that's how the issue is. Or that story ends. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Ugh. So <laughs> and it has a message like this is how these people operate. They right. operate by wearing hoods and hiding within normal society. society. Right. And so it's again, mixed message like, oh, you should report this. But if you do, you might get killed. Right. Like this or like this story that we're about to briefly go over. Uh, don't go dig or you might get in a, an abusive relationship. I still I don't guess, know. Like, I, guess. The I don't know. Uh, this will be. <laughs> It's going to be short. It's going to be short. Yeah. Because it's very much the exact same story as... It, this is just more us noting the differences. Right. Oh, by the way, real quick. That story, Undercover, that yeah. I just talked about, that's also by Wally Wood, who did Hate. Oh, damn. From last issue, yeah. He's had some things to say. Oh, yes, he has. Oh, yes. So, the by the way, one thing that uh, uh, I'd like to point out, because this is shock suspense stories... Yes. ...and not one of the mainline horror mm-hmm. books, no intro... Yeah, no intro. Yeah. So there's no Crypt Keeper mm-hmm. or Witch or mm-hmm. Vault Keeper. Yes. So I'll, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Because the the, the last one we reviewed, Shock Suspense Wars number five, it did not have those intros in it. Yeah. It was just straight. And it's like these are stories meant to have impact and really make you think. Right. Yeah. So this isn't I would well, like the title suggests of the comic, it's a suspense story, mm-hmm. not necessarily a horror story. Right. So we know Al Feldstein. We know yep. Bill Gaines. We Creators. know Jack Kamen. We talked about him a few episodes ago. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Excellent artist. And that's one thing that strikes me about these. Because because of school, I have to review old comics. Mm-hmm. How great 
the art in these are compared oh, it's amazing. to other comics, not just of this era, but up until the modern day. Oh, they were quality. Yeah. Absolute quality. They, yeah. they still hold up today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I'm holding I mean, the trade paperback right now. Real quick. I mean, just like, let's, let's go to, let's like, let's say this cover by um, Wally Wood. Yeah. Right. Compare this to what someone like, I don't know, Rob Layfield's putting out in the 90s. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> God, so many pockets. <laughs> no feet. And muscles. <laughs> and guns. Oh, my God. <laughs> 18 barrels on one gun. Yeah. It's great. I mean, yeah. yeah this, I think the art of this era is timeless. Mm-hmm. And it, it still holds up today. Um, if you're on any of our social media, we post a lot of art from mm-hmm. these issues. Yeah. And it's amazing stuff. Yeah. It truly is. Well, one thing that's not different is all the names. Yeah, that's surprising because in every other every other episode, somebody's well, that, name has changed. Yeah, every other episode, someone's name has changed for some reason. They kept right. them the same in this. Absolutely. So there's once again, there's no intro, and uh, Kathy uh, goes to her fortune teller, Vorna, and she gets her. Uh, one thing that is different. She reads fortune via tea leaves. Yes, not vibrations. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I wonder why. I don't know why they mm. changed it. Yeah. But anyway, so Vorna is reading the tea leaves in a bowl. It, sa- it does say that Kathy believes Vorna from the very start. Yes. So, and that is one thing that is different because mm-hmm. Kathy doesn't believe her. She thinks she's a quack at mm-hmm. first. But basically, she has visited four times. The first visit, Vorna says that you'll get fired. And she ended up being late from lunch due to Vorna's slow clock. Mm-hmm. We know that. The second visit, is while she was stop, she was stopping by Verna, Vorna's while job hunting, and she says, "You'll get a job as a waitress," mm-hmm. in which she does later that night. Yeah. Now we'll say it is a restaurant and not a strip yeah. club. So, like because, I said, it's the sleaze is taken out, right? Because this was the late eighties, early nineties. We had to, ha- we had to have the sleaze in there. I'm not mad. <laughs> so, the third visit, she said, "You'll marry, but he won't be rich when you marry." Kathy says, "I won't marry unless he's loaded, or is it for love?" So, she actually implies that the prospect of love is also good enough for her. Is, yeah, yeah, because she, she says, "quote I won't marry unless he's loaded." Or is it love? Vorna says he'll inherit a ton of money from someone very close to him. Charlie is at a re- the next scene is Charlie is at a restaurant that she is working at, and he asks her out. She says no. The next visit to Vorna's, Vorna says he'll be the one that you marry, but after he inherits the money, he'll die violently. The next day she's working. Charlie asks her again. Ask her out again, and she says yes. They go to see a movie, and she's clearly disgusted while they're right. seeing the movie. That's one thing in this, too, where they make a point over and over again that he has poor hygiene. Yes. And she does bring it up, that he does have poor hygiene. But at no point is she attacking him because of his weight. Which, uh, the narrator does say that during the dancing of that night, he is a clumsy ox. Right, but well, I mean, take that—is that a fat joke? Will. Yeah, I don't know. you know, one thing too. I mean, it's clear she's not attracted to him because of his size. Yes, right. But it's never a point she uses to be cruel, right. to him. Right. One other thing about this too: Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor are 
spot on for how these characters look in the comics. Oh yeah. It is amazing how well they got their appearances. Oh yeah. yeah. I would I would almost say I would say it's so so far with every story that we've covered mm-hmm. the closest that the characters yes. have looked. This is very accurate screen to page. Right. Or page uh, to screen. Unfortunately in this comic there is no Trotsky. No, there is. And there's no, no Al. There's no Al, no. So the next visit Vorna uh sees in her tea leaves the initials CM, which Charlie Kathy immediately Monroe. says, Charlie Marno, this must be it. How much, uh, oh, is this the guy I got to marry? And she says, yes. And then Vorna says, I also see $25,000 in the tea leaves. <laughs> so the exact dollar amount and right. his initials. Right. It's it, not only is that ridiculous that she could see his initials and that amount of money. But Vor- not Vorna, Kathy acts like she's hit the jackpot. With tw- what is the equivalent of twenty five thousand dollars? Two hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, that's pretty good. It's a lot of money, but you're not rich. Yeah, with right. that amount of money, right. right? Damn. Well, I mean, maybe she's hurting. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's certainly hurting more than Demi Moore's character was, who was spending ninety bucks in the <laughs> equivalent, right, to get a psychic reading. That's true. Yeah. Later on, Charlie asks her to marry her, and she asks about, do you have any rich relatives? And he says that he has a rich uncle, and Kathy says that she will marry him. This is very brief as far as like, hey, by the way, you got any rich people? He's like, yeah, an uncle. And she's like, okay. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Which is weird because she doesn't try to couch it in anything or cover it up. It's just like, hey, you have a rich family? Cool. Let's get married. Pro tip. If you're asking someone to marry you and their response is, do you have any rich relatives? Retract your question. Right. <laughs> Pro tip. We have relationship advice. <laughs> Take it from two divorcees. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's God damn it. <laughs> and so they get married and she is initially ashamed to be with him on the beach on their honeymoon. She asks about his uncle later on. And Charlie says that he's got family out West. Kathy is upset that Charlie didn't mention this about her uncle's family, and she uh, rushes to Vorna. She says she can't take it anymore. Vorna replies, the money is coming soon. She then leaves and then goes to the cafeteria across the street. She orders a coffee, and the press swarm her. And a man says, you are our one millionth customer. Here is a check for $25,000. She goes to the apartment and tells Charlie how much of a slob he is and that Vorna was wrong. She's the one who's got, who has the money and she's leaving him. Charlie tries to say that they love each other. And she says, I can't even stand you. He grabs a knife. Charlie says, if I can't have you, no one can. And he stabs her and I will read the narration. Charlie brought the gleaming knife blade down again and again. Kathy's bags fell to the floor and $25,000 spilling out, blotting out the blood. Dun, dun, dun. dun. I love that that frame of him killing her because you don't actually see her. You it, they use red him. ink. Yes. He's just on his hands and knees and you see his fist coming down. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think we and mentioned. It's all in, in red. Yeah. We mentioned in one of the previous podcasts that we did where uh, to show rage yes. or vengeance. Mm hmm they would color a character in red ink. Yes. And that is what they did in this. And it was, it was really great. But it was one of those things like we, we talked about before. A technique is you're showing 
a, a perspective of violence, mm-hmm. but not the violence. Right. Like in the episode, he stabs her in the chest mm-hmm. and you see blood spurting. Right. Out. This, you see a red inked mm-hmm. character pounding. We can thank Marie Severin for that. She was a colorist on EC Comics. I forgot to mention this in the beginning. She's oh. a colorist on EC Comics and one of the first women in comics. Sweet. Yeah. Hats off. Props. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Well, I, I will. I made a big mistake not mentioning her as the colorist on this because she is an important figure in comics. And so yeah. next time that she comes up as having worked on a comic, we'll talk about her more. Awesome. Yeah. I want to uh, see the different techniques that she had. Yeah. This is one of her techniques. Yeah. The, the show Rage. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And so the next panel is one uh, uh, soon later on Kathy's grave. A newspaper floats on the wind and lands right on her grave. The headline says Charlie Marno dies in the chair. He inherited her fortune, her $25,000 and then got convicted of murder. And last night was pronounced dead in the electric chair. Yeah. That's it. They managed not to fat shame him there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry for the brief comics uh, review. I mean, it's one for one. Yeah. Yeah, It's one for one minus the sleaze and just the amount of money that they wear and some fat jokes. Right, right. So, I mean, for me, I'm going to give the TV episode a B plus. Okay. thought it was great. Um, and I'll give the comic a, a C plus. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. It's all right. Yeah. It's just not... it Because it's a suspense story from a suspense comic mm-hmm. and not one of the main line horror story right. lines. Right. It's not a horror, and it, and it doesn't feel like a Tales from the Crypt story. No. And we won't start getting those until... Very soon. But oh, we're getting yeah, them. Yeah, we're going to get them. Oh, yeah. We yeah. will be getting them for sure. Like I said, none of the episodes up until this point have been an actual Tales from the Crypt story. Yes. Or adapted from a Tales from the Crypt story. I right. think we're going to get to that next episode. Awesome. Which I don't know what the next episode is because you know why? Why? I forgot to put the closing notes on hey. the script. <laughs> I can look it up real quick if you want. Oh, no. I'm looking it up right now. All right. This is Riveting Radio. Riveting Radio with Ryan and Bruce. (laughs) If you don't listen to us, you look like a goose. Huh, that's where you went. (laughs) (laughs) It is... That was a decision. The Switch is what's coming up next. It is from Tales from the Crypt number 45, which 45 may have been one of the last issues they put out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, until then, we have social media. We do. You can catch me at Whore Ryan on Twitter. And you can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce on Twitter as well. We also have a Twitter account and Instagram. Yes, we do. Crypt Keepers Pod. And we have an email address where you can send all of your complaints and concerns and yell at us in general. That is CryptKeepersShow at gmail.com. I almost forgot that part. <laughs> We want to thank everyone uh, listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Yeah, and if you if you did enjoy it, uh, please share it with a friend. It'll help the audience grow and get us more listeners. Until then, see you soon, kitties. Pleasant screams. Ooh. <laughs> You've been listening to Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan on the Crypt Keepers podcast. <laughs> Elephant noises. <laughs>